Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined today by Amanda Loudon. How you doing, Amanda? Hey, I'm good. How about you? Good, good. We're flying solo without Alex here. I, I can do this. I can do this. I have confidence in you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Add something new to my resume, new skills to my resume. Yes. Yes. <laughs> on our uh, survey, on our podcast survey, somebody wrote uh, that we need to give Alex a mic because they think he's saying interesting, funny stuff, but it's hard to hear him. <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to do that? <laughs> it's like I used to watch um, live with Regis and Kathy Lee. Like, am I dating myself enough by admitting that? And, uh, you know, uh, Gelman, they're, they're kind of right, off-screen. Right. Oh my gosh. I'm glad that you know that. And I know Gelman. <laughs> yes. Why is it, why is it that people have like such an, you know, like fascination with kind of the producer behind the scenes? Uh, right. right. <laughs> gosh, I used to love that show. I would watch it like, oh my gosh, when I was a freelancer, I would eat my breakfast. Um, after going to master swimming, I would sit there and watch live with Regis and Kathy Lee. That's so great. <laughs> I've graduated to reading the New York Times. I no longer watch television while I eat breakfast. Uh, very good. Yes, very good. Yes, yes. So, um, well, speaking of um, a publication, uh, what article is you working on these days? Um, I've got a really interesting one um, looking at this insane race. It's called the Yukon Ultra. Oh. And um, it is, as you might expect, in the Yukon. Yes. And, uh -huh. um, it has um, varying distances, um, but the longest, which they only do every other year, is 430 miles long. Wow. Um, and you're completely self-supported, and you can do it by three different modes. One is by foot, and you're you're carrying a sled behind you. Oh um, one is by fat tire mountain bike, and one is cross-country skiing. Wow. So, uh, yeah, these, these people do it every year, one of the distances, except for the, the really long one. Um, and, and that, so I'm writing about it for REI and there's also some scientists that are studying, um, the athletes, you know, learning how, um, efficiently they can use their nutrition mm. and, and this, that, and the other. And they're hoping it might have some applications for space travel oh. and the military and all this kind of stuff. So it's really, it's really interesting. Wow. Um, just, just does not sound inviting to me. Does it to you? <laughs> you don't, you don't get to, you don't have to get to, uh, go watch the race. Do you? Oh, no, no. Don't be foolish, Sarah. No. <laughs> I have no desire to do that, even as a spectator. <laughs> Ask me another stupid question, Sarah. Go on. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't handle the cold well. So, yeah. 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 No, but got, but more power to them. That's fantastic. I know. I know. They're wow. amazing. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and you are starting a little bit of a trek yourself this afternoon, aren't you? You and. Your son. Well, we actually changed plans. Oh, um, okay. We were going to go to Wake Forest today um, for tomorrow's Accepted Students Day. And um, we did William & Mary on Monday. And after doing William & Mary on one Monday, um, we kind of reevaluated. I just sat down and he looked at all of the schools he still had in the mix and um, decided to take Wake off and actually decided to take William & Mary off too. Oh, so, huh. um, and he, yeah, so he, he being your uh, senior level son, Adam. Yes, correct. Yeah. Uh -huh. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're down to three schools now, and um, that's which which three? 
uh, Richmond, Villanova, and um, Furman, which is oh, yeah. um, down in yeah. South Carolina. A lot of people aren't all that familiar with it. Um, I know but some... it's a really nice yeah. school, and they're offering a nice package, which makes it very attractive. So um, yeah, I, know... I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We've I know... got three weeks. I know a young woman from Connecticut. She is the um, niece of one of my best friends from high school, and uh, that niece is a student at Furman. So, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so she really likes okay, nice. it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous, and um, Greenville, where it's located, is a really cool city. I really like it. Oh, so because that's how I evaluate how where he goes to school is. Well, I like visiting, <laughs> right? Well, <laughs> I hear you on that one because Phoebe and I went and uh, toured, did her first college tour, University of San Francisco, and I'm like, oh, twist my arm, I'll have to come visit you in San Francisco, right? <laughs> where my favorite pool is, where I used to swim masters before watching live with Regis and Kathy Lee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and did she like it? Um, yeah, yeah. She, um, she. It's very pretty. It's very tucked in. I mean, it's right in the kind of middle of the city, but it's very. I mean, I used to live mm, less than three quarters of a mile from it, and and like I said, swim masters at their big pool, and you just really can't even see the campus. It's um, very, like I said, tucked in. So. It's interesting. Okay. And, um, yeah, she liked the vibe. She liked the, um, you know, kind of the whole Jesuit idea of using what you learn and giving it back and improving the lives of others. And yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, and one of my best friends from my rowing days lives about a mile from there. So I think that would, and, um, I want to say Kate and Phoebe adores Kate. We stayed with Kate. So I think it's appealing to her to maybe be near somebody. I don't know. Yeah, so, absolutely. you know, kind of have a home base if need be. So, Sounds promising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then yesterday was just a thrilling day here in our household. Um, so, yeah, so John is, like I said, into dance. And so he's uh, this, um, he's in this dance program at school. And they got invited at the very last minute to be part of a master's class taught by Savion Glover, who is a world-renowned tap dancer. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, so that was, they found out maybe like 36 hours beforehand that they were going to do that. And John and I already had tickets to see Savion Glover perform. Uh, they call it a concert when he does it. And it turns out it really okay. is a concert because he has a band and a singer and then he sings some. And it's all very loose and very kind of jazzy almost. Like there's no, you know, sometimes when you go to a dance, it's like, oh, okay, or a dance performance, it's like, okay, here's dance number one, here's dance number two, dance number right, three. Right. And this was more just kind of flow in and it's sort of a little hard to tell when one ended and another one started. And um, it was just amazing. So, but in the afternoon, he and his school buddies got to go to the high school where hopefully he'll, he'll be dancing next year, John will be dancing next year, and take a class from him. And so, I mean, that wow. was, I mean... It would be like, you know, I don't know, taking a ballet class from, you know, Barishnikov back in the day or something. Right, so, right. so, um, name. Yeah, exactly, um. exactly. <laughs> so, so, but that's so cool. What a great opportunity for him. It really was fantastic. And so then I, in my Chrysler Pacifica, was, you know, carpool mom. And so picked up the kids. And then I thought we had all the kids we were supposed to have. So I started to drive away and then they quickly got a message. Oh no, we left so-and-so behind and so-and-so also needs a ride. So we go back, I turn around, go back. I'm like, Oh, I need to get back to work and write the notes for the podcast. <laughs> and so, and then Jack has decided to take it. My husband has decided to, uh, 
take up home brewing again. So he had all this home brewing stuff in the back of the van and like one half of the back seat was pushed down. So I needed to fit all these other kids in. So I had to be wrestling with this huge vat for home brewing and putting that. So, <laughs> so there I am struggling with all of this. And then all the kids are like, mom, mom, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. And I'm like, Rah! what and they're like pointing there's savion glover walking with some of his friends down the sidewalk oh wow yeah oh, yeah cool. so yeah and, and then of course you know as i'm trying to fall asleep that night last night i'm like oh why didn't i say oh hello mr glover thank you so much for doing this it really meant so much to the kids da, da, da. but you know i was wrestling. you never think of those things at the moment you yeah, know <laughs> yeah so and i was wrestling yeah. with homebrew stuff so <laughs> right <laughs> uh so and then it was very funny because john uh, had taken, he has his tap shoes were just looking so thrashed. So the day before I was like, okay, let's go get you some new tap shoes. And that night he's frantically dancing on his tap square so that they can get kind of beat up, worn in looking. And then he comes back and he, um, shows that he's had Savion Glover sign the bottom of his tap shoes, but it's the old pair. And so I was like, oh, that was smart of you to take that pair so he could sign it. He goes, no, I took them so I wouldn't look like I was a total novice dancing in those new shoes. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so but that was just a real thrill. And I mean, just, I mean, it's all public school experience and kind of he was, Savion Glover was sitting around and he was like, oh, you know, I'll do a master's class while I'm here. Does anybody know? Who, where I should teach it, who I should teach it to. And somebody who was sitting there, wow. you know, just was involved in Portland public. So it was fabulous. Really cool. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Well, so uh, today we will be talking with three women who were inspired by the Boston Marathon, which is being run this Monday. If you're listening to the podcast the weekend it comes out, uh, Boston Marathon is Monday, April 15. The guests weren't inspired to necessarily run Boston, but inspired by it, the size and scope of it, or the, unfortunately, the tragic 2013 bombings. Amanda and I have both run Boston multiple times, but not all the guests have. So this is about how the race that captured the hearts and minds of these three women runners, including professional ultra runner Yao Wang. Amanda and I will talk with the first of these three gals right after this quick break. Stay with us. First up is Julia Gibson, a mom of three who lives outside Cincinnati, Ohio. Julia had vowed she'd never run a marathon, but a documentary about the Boston Marathon changed her mind. Julia is our one guest who will be towing the starting line in Hopkinton on Monday. Thanks for making the time to chat with us, Julia. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. You must be leaving soon. I am leaving Saturday morning early, uh, uh-huh. like 8 a.m. flight. I'm in Boston by 10.30, I think. Nice, nice, nice. Perfect. Yeah. Before we get into your Boston journey, can you tell us a little bit about the ages of your kids and what you do for work? Sure, sure. So I have three kids. My oldest, Chase, just turned 13 Saturday. So I'm still trying to come to terms with the fact that I have a teenager. Mm -hmm. And then I have Liv, who's 11, and Audrey, who is eight. And I... I was previously a CPA in my last life, and I worked in corporate America, but once I had kids, I decided to stay home. And so now I am a Pilates instructor and spinning instructor, and then I work part-time for a small company, local women's company, and do social media for them. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice one. so I have an Audrey as well, I have to say, but um, tell <laughs> us a little bit. Yeah, I do. Um, so tell us a little bit about your evolution as a runner um, up to April 2017, because we don't want to oh, get into too okay. many details yet. Yeah. I'll stop there. So I have always run, I ran track in high school, 
more for the social aspect than anything else. And it was short distances, like I did the 100, 200 and the long jump. And I liked it. But again, it was just kind of to be with friends. And then I ran through college for exercise. I call it my carb cardio phase. <laughs> it was the low fat phase. So I feel like <laughs> I was eating a ton of carbs and I did a lot of cardio. So I ran a lot in college, but never more than, I don't know, four or five miles at a time. And then after college, I was studying for the CPA exam and realized what a release running was for me as a break. Um, and I continued to do five takes. 5Ks and 10Ks all the way in my 20s up into my early 30s. And it wasn't until after I had my third child that I decided I wanted to try to tackle a half marathon. So I did my first one in October 2011. And I have done, I think, 20 since then. Wow. Um, it's my favorite distance. I love it. Um, and then just ran my first marathon, but I will stop there. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Okay. So a movie made you do it. Um, tell us how you went from watching a movie made me do it. Yeah. yeah. That'll be your life story or something. Like, that's your, <laughs> know, the title right? of your memoir. It was, kind of, it was a perfect, right. Right. <laughs> so I run with a lot of very experienced marathoners. And so they had all run Boston and they were going to see the documentary in the theater. It was right after the marathon, like the Wednesday after April, 2017. Mm -hmm. So I went and I, I mean, I had said, I will never run a marathon. A half is all I can do. I don't, I just, I don't know if I have the time. And I walked out of the movie theater. And when I got home that night, I said to my husband, I'm going to run the Boston marathon. Wow. And he was like, I thought you were never doing a marathon. And I was like, well, maybe just one. Well, I guess it would have to be two. <laughs> and so one of my running friends was about to do his 50th state um, fall of 2017. And so he was encouraging our running group to go with him and travel to run his last state with him. Where was it? And so the combination, it was in Iowa. Des Moines, Iowa was his last state. Okay. And so peer pressure and the documentary, I decided, all right, if I'm going to do it, this is like the perfect time to do it. So I started training without the knowledge of my husband because <laughs> he was not 100% on board. He does not think 26.2 miles is anything somebody's body should do. Um, but eventually he got on board. He gave me a note for my birthday that gave me permission. It was kind of a joke. Um, to run the marathon and I signed up that day. It was the end of August. Oh my goodness. Oh my wow. goodness. We're gonna have to talk about yes. we're gonna have to talk about Sean. There's no I, there's yeah. no permission slip that you need to do to uh do a race. Yeah, it was a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean he all, he is the most supportive husband ever. So I always told my friends I don't want to push him because he supports one hundred percent everything I do. And he's like it just makes me nervous. Like I just you know you know from a health aspect, not training time or anything like that. And so I would casually say things like, you know, everybody's going to Iowa to cheer George on. And he would just kind of smile, you know, it was like, and so I came home from my first 20 mile run. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I have something I think you should open. It was also my birthday. Aww. And I opened it. And it was I mean, he had typed it up. It was funny. <laughs> it was very funny. But even when he handed it to me, I said, but if I qualify for Boston, could I do another? And he started laughing. He was like, I knew this was going to be the problem. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, so you know, as made you too mentioned, well. um, Iowa was your first marathon, and obviously, since you're going to Boston, you be cute. So tell us about how you I did pulled that off first time out. Well, I really my only goal was to finish. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, I run with really experienced runners, and I've always followed a training plan, all 20 of my half marathons. I just, I, I just feel more confident, I think, with that. But mm -hmm. with the marathon, I was like, I really just want to get to the end. So I kind of just let them tell me what they were doing, and I just did the same thing. So I ran about four times a week. We usually run Tuesday, Thursdays, about six miles, mm -hmm. and then a long run Saturday and a recovery run Sunday. And so whatever they were doing, I would do the same. Um, so I was a little bit hesitant going into the race, it, but I said, all I want to do is cross the finish line. And after doing three 20 mile runs, I was like, okay, I can walk at that point if I have to, mm -hmm. but I can make it to the end. So, I mean, I had Boston in the back of my mind. I just couldn't say it out loud. Oh my goodness. But okay. I, but I sense that your, your friends must be fast. Right. They are. They are. Mm -hmm. They are. They are fairly fast. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of hung on with them when you'd go out running. I hung on with. Yes. Like they would be running and I would be like, OK, I just want to try to keep, you know, a decent pace and not slow down at the end. And so we would run our 20s and I'd be like, OK, I can do this. But yes, I would keep I would try to just keep up with them. Um, but really, at that point, I wasn't even thinking about pace. I just wanted to get the mileage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, Amanda might be too humble to admit this, but I know that Amanda also qualified for Boston in her first marathon. So amazing! I, mean, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, do you all think that ignorance is bliss? Like that you all didn't know <laughs> kind of what what waited for you beyond that twenty mile mark, or what? I don't know. I, think I do. I don't know about you, Amanda. I, I think I had a healthy dose of fear. Um, like, you know, I mean, I, so many people yes. like build up, you know, like, oh, the wall, you're going to hit the wall. And like, and I was, uh -huh. I was, I was really worried about that. So I think I went out so uber conservatively, but I think that same me really well. Mm. Yeah. Same with you. Exact same. I just was like, I'm going to run the same pace I averaged in my 20 mile runs. Cause I know I can do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I'm like, I'm not going to push it. And I do. I mean, I ran, I've run one more marathon since, and that one I just said, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to push myself and see what I can do. But that first one, I feel like I was so conservative because I was so afraid yeah. of crashing at mile 20. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Okay, okay. So, so that's news to me then, Julia, that you have run an, another marathon. So, so Sean has gotten on I board did. with, has he gotten on board with both feet now or like what's up with yeah, that? I think he's just kind of, I think he's kind of given up, but I think <laughs> he was like, I know your personality. I think he kind of knew, but so of course, like once last spring came and then I was like, I just don't think it would be smart to run my second marathon as the Boston marathon. Like I just want some more experience. And he actually worked with someone who has run Boston several times. And he actually mentioned that to Sean too. Mm. So I think that helped my case uh -huh. because then he said, are you signing up for another marathon? And I was <laughs> like, yeah. I ran Columbus uh -huh. October of just the, of 2018. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Okay. Okay. So, and what is it about the Boston marathon in particular that captivated you so greatly in that documentary and just kind of in your imagination as you think about it? 
I just like when I watch the document, there's just so much history to that race. And as a runner, I, I, as I'm watching them run and I have tears in my eyes, I'm thinking, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of something that is that historical. I love running and it is now such a large part of my life. I was like, I can't imagine hanging out my shoes and being done having not done that. Nice. Yeah. Well, since the race is uh, about a few days away, the, the hay is in the barn. Um, (laughs) the the hay is in the barn. So tell us about how your training went and, um, how you're feeling heading into Monday. Uh, well, this has probably been my hardest training cycle for any race, I'd say. Um, I got plantar fasciitis in the fall after Columbus and it just hasn't quite gone away. Hmm. And then I was blessed with the flu in March, which took me out for a week. And then I actually had a little spill on my stairs about a month ago and sprained my ankle. So it has swelled off and on (laughs) since then. And Mm. so I'm going into this race, at least mentally, I'm trying to tell myself like, I am not going in to crush it or to get a personal best. Like I'm going to Boston to experience the Boston Marathon something that I never thought was possible and I have dreamed of since really since I ran my first half and my only goal and I've told my family this too because my daughter asked me um well what if you win and I had to break it to her that I probably was not going to win but I said I really just want to cross the finish line with a huge smile and a grateful heart and I just want to enjoy every step and every town and every cheer and Really, to me, it's my sister called it my victory lap. It's a celebration of what I've already accomplished. That's great. I like that attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there's been all kinds of um, weather obsessing going down on Twitter this week. Yes. And um, how are you yes. feeling when you look at the forecast? I'm feeling okay. I really, I've had races where the forecast looks amazing and it turns out awful and vice versa. And I really was feeling really great until yesterday because I'm like, we're still five days out. Like anything can change. But then once I got the email from the Boston Marathon about the weather and hazards, then I was like, oh, so they're a little bit worried about it. So I guess I should be. I still I still feel like it's far enough away that who knows, maybe we'll get a window or but I'm trying to pack everything I could need. Luckily, I have a lot of people that ran it last year. And so I keep getting texts and emails saying, make sure you pack an extra pair of shoes, make sure. Uh So, I mean, it's going to be what it's going to be. And it's not going to take away from the experience. Good. Yeah. And you know what? I can tell you, um, I ran it the 90 degree year. And another year I ran it, we had a nor'easter. And um, I think this is, you know, I think Boston, um, they send out a lot of emails in advance about the weather. So um, don't let them freak you out either. Don't let that. Ooh, that makes me feel a little better. I think that's standard operating procedure with them. Um, you know, it just kind of. They're covering their bases. Yeah. Good. yeah, exactly. That's what my sister said too. She was like, oh, I'm sure they just do that because that's what they have. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I was like, kind of it, before it was just other people talking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, they shouldn't get upset about anything. But then when I saw the email yesterday, I was like. Well, I also, <laughs> maybe I should be a little more worried. I also think yeah. on the heels of last year that they 
probably were sent out that email in hopes of just cutting off a whole bunch of emails that were going to come at them. You know? Yeah, sure. So right. To, to, right. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that makes sense. So it sounds like you are going to have a pretty big posse out there to spectate. Is that right? I am. So my entire family is going, and then my younger sister is flying out, and then my best friend from high school. Oh, wow! So when I ran Iowa, they were tracking together and like texting back and forth. Oh. And they said, if she runs another marathon, we have to go. Like, I can't do this from a computer. So they both are coming, too. That is so nice. And do they both live in Ohio when they're coming out? Well, yeah. So my sister lives in Michigan, and my best friend Julie lives in Columbus. So they are flying. They're staying in a hotel room together. Wow. My sister said she picked up some cowbells today. So yeah, they're all ready. <laughs> Ju- so great. Julie and it. Julia. Um, that, that sure did. Yeah. Yeah, ex- yeah. We were college roommates also, which was a little bit confusing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so um, for other people who are equally as inspired to uh, participate in Boston, do you have any takeaway advice? Well, like we kind of said about the conservatism, and I think I didn't put pressure on myself to qualify, and I think that helped me immensely, because if I, if my focus would have been qualifying for Boston and focusing on what time I needed, I think there would have been so much pressure, I would have probably had more opportunity to fail, but I think since I just wanted to finish a marathon, I just, I was able to do so because so often people are like, Oh, every, you know, every race, I want to qualify for Boston. I think I don't, you have to sit back and enjoy the marathon and enjoy the process. And if that comes with it, amazing. Um, but I just don't think you can put those expectations on yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. yeah. You have such a great perspective on all of this. I'm really impressed with it. Yeah. Oh, well, you're so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, and then, and I qualified for next year. So I might, if this weather is awful, I might have to run a fourth marathon. I told Sean. I was just, I was <laughs> yeah. just about to ask what what awaits anymore twenty six point two. So so you requalified. The Col- rabbit hole has been opened. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes right. No, but I because I I keep telling my friends I'm retiring after Boston, and they're like, yeah, yeah, you know. But yeah, I qualified in Columbus, uh-huh. and so if if it is everything I think it's going to be, then maybe next year Boston will be my last uh-huh. and I'll yeah. go back to the, the half. Yeah. She says that now, Amanda, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not buying it. Oh, I think yep, yep. we all know how this <laughs> works. I will say I, you know, what I used for Columbus was the, um, own it plan. Oh, nice. Thank and you. And I, my, yes, I used it for my half which I PR'd in Columbus and then my full, which I PR'd. Uh-huh. So I've, I, if I'm going to do Boston next year, I think I need to follow that plan. I, I followed one of Boston's plans this spring just because I wanted to have some more hill work, but I think I'm going to have to go back to the ONET plan. Nice. A train like a mother club plan. Thank you very much. Yeah, Um, I I do. It's my favorite. Oh, good. 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 And it sounds like you have um, followed more than your fair share of training plans. So that you're, that's quite high praise indeed. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you, Julia. We will be thinking of you on Monday. Just have such a great time. Yeah. Good luck. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Our next guest is Erin Wright, a mom of two who lives outside Minneapolis-St. Paul. 
a Bammer ambassador for another mother runner, Erin signed up for her first marathon after the Boston Marathon bombings occurred. Welcome to the podcast, Erin. Hey, thank you. So, okay, Erin, lay some life details on us, like the ages of your kids, what you do for a job. Yeah, so I have two girls. One will be 12 very, very soon, and the other one is nine. Uh, So they keep me pretty busy, but otherwise I work as an IT consultant. I'm currently kind of building a TurboTax-like product, so um, it's it's, uh, definitely different than running. Yeah, better you you than me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of running, tell us how you became a runner. Yeah, I, um, I, you know, I got to work with you guys in a previous podcast to talk through, you know, I started running late in life after my youngest was born. So now I've almost been running for about nine years. Uh, and like it, it, my work team got me going. Um, they were, they were running marathons and they were training for things and having fun. And I kind of wanted to be part of it, although I really didn't want to run and, and just got out the door. <laughs> my kids didn't follow me. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a really nice way to have some alone time. Oh my goodness. Very little at the time. <laughs> Aaron, I'm embarrassed to say that I had forgotten that you were already on the podcast. Yeah. So I should have said, welcome back, Aaron. No um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, all right. So countless people, runners and non-runners alike were deeply affected by the 2013 bombings at the Boston Marathon. What was it about the events of that spring day that compelled you to take on your first marathon? Oh my gosh. You just saying that even just still brings back memories of how that day felt. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I had, had just started running just a couple of years before that I had, you know, gotten a couple 10 miles and halves under my belt and was in a place where, you know, after a half, I could not imagine running another one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so marathons just seemed so out of, out of my scope, but you know, we, after the, the tragic events of the bombing, the very next day at work, Alana, the other, you know, another BAM ambassador, mm-hmm. she came into my office and, and we both looked at each other and I said, I have to run a marathon. I can't let this happen to our sport. People are not mm. going to impact us this way and, and stop our passions through these types of tragedies. Mm. And it was, it was a no brainer. It was just like, this is what I have to do. Mm. We're not letting this stop. I just so, got, yeah. I just got literal chills when you said that, that is uh, wonderful. So. Yeah, I do. I really love that, um, you know, a, a bombing, the, you know, which was meant to strike fear in people, um, had the complete opposite reaction in you. Yeah. And I, I tell you that training cycle just in and of itself, joining a group, we talked about it a lot and how much that impacted us, you know, just mentally, you know, being worried even at the, I ran the Twin Cities Marathon that, that year mm-hmm. uh, due to that. And it was even just crossing the finish line, just a little bit of thoughts around is this going to happen during my marathon? Um, but very clear at the beginning of the race, people talking about it and the chatter still going on to say, mm-hmm. it's okay. We're all here together and, and runners stick together. And this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you, did you register for the marathon? You know, I mean, like within days of that event or, or how, how long was it before you, you know, made the commitment and started training? I do believe I did because it was it would have been around that time that that the marathon was open for registration. So I think I yeah, did right away and looked at training plans and mm-hmm. and started to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and how did the training and marathon go for you? 
it was awesome. It was, I, I had trained, um, it was in person with uh, the Minnesota Distance Running Association. Uh, so I had a really large group of people that had done this before mm-hmm. and had supported training runs, which was a little different than what I do now. So it went great. I was able to even run with my cousin uh, who had done a few other marathons before. So the training was awesome. The race was awesome. I felt so good mm-hmm. every step of that way. And, and yeah, it was, it was a really, really great experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's such a beautiful, such a beautiful race. And, oh. um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and just the crowd support there. So that, that I know, uh, carries me along when I'm, when my energy's flagging a little, so it's a great race. Yeah. Now you mentioned earlier that, you know, you had some thoughts about, um, the bombings when you were, um, you know, kind of lining up and, um, did you, did you think about the bombings, you know, throughout the 26.2 miles or, or how did that shake out for you? Yeah, I, I really did. I, you know, in fact, I know other runners do this, but kind of taking a mile to think about different things, uh, that to keep your mind on other things besides necessarily running. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I did. I had, I think I had a couple of miles where I dedicated to thinking about people that were impacted by the bombing and, and how they may be doing today. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was definitely, definitely on my mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so, and, and what's your running been like since that um, Twin Cities Marathon? Oh, it's been, it's been great. I've gotten more consistent even than that. Uh, I ran another marathon, which I had a better time, but certainly did not feel as good <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago. But yeah, I've, I've really been now sticking with halves and the 10 miles and mm-hmm. anything I can really get my arms around for fall and spring. Mm-hmm. What was the second marathon you ran? Also Twin Cities. Oh, okay. Yep. Oh, I did that two years ago. Okay. You, you, nice. you Twin City folks, you love that you're very loyal to that race. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> that and the 10 mile every year. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So um, rumor has it that you're thinking about doing your first triathlon this summer. I am still thinking about it. I have not made a decision for fall yet because, well, the thought of even getting water after this insanely snowy day that we're having today. Um, <gasps> it's is, snowing is in, it's snowing there. School got canceled. We got, it's such horrible oh my gosh. today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Who knew? School cancellations in April, but yeah, it's, we got several inches, um, but it's just really, really windy and icy. So, oh yeah, my gosh. But, so the thought of a pool is, or, or thought of a lake right now is, is a little bit off. So we'll see. <laughs> also thinking about a duathlon to kind of skip the swim portion to, uh-huh. to sure. start easing into it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I talked with Demi yeah. about that. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, and do you think running the Boston Marathon is ever in your future? Oh gosh, no. I, I really, if I, if I did, I would definitely be on a, a charity tag. It would not be uh-huh. with my blazing speed. Uh-huh. So, and that's okay. I, you know, I don't, I don't need to necessarily run it. I respect the heck out of it. I, uh, you know, we've been able to follow some friends who have really chased it for years and a really good friend, uh, you know, we got to watch him qualify by three seconds <gasps> last year. Oh my gosh. And so he, that was what he actually made it in by. And okay, so yeah. I'm, you know, we're having breakfast with him tomorrow to see him off for the race. And I just am so, so excited for people that, that have made that achievement. It's just incredible. That is so nice. And when you say we are having breakfast with him, I mean, like who's the, who's getting together to, um, wish this guy, um, bon voyage before he goes to Boston. 
<laughs> well, we do a runner's breakfast with some of my old coworkers. And so Alana and I will definitely be there. Oh. Um, and I think just this other runner and, and some of his other friends that we do grandmas with oh. uh, this year will potentially be there. Oh, nice. Oh, there's such a strong running community there in Minnesota and the Twin Cities in particular. It's really, um, I don't know. I, I just really think it's almost unlike any other place. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. I'm I'm happy to be part of it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, well, good. Well, um, thank you for joining us again, Erin. And um, I look forward to seeing you at a retreat. Yes, yes. I, I will be popping into Eau Claire to at least say hello. I know you. Hey, day. woman, you're working the, you're work, you and Alana are working that booth for me. I got it. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. And then I'm all signed up for Hilton Head and I cannot wait to get back there. It is um, one of the most gorgeous places I've ever been. Right, right. You and your husband went there, right? We did. And, and it's our goal to retire there. It was honestly one of our favorite places we've ever been. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, good, 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 good. All right. Well, um, see you in a few weeks then, Aaron. Yeah, see you then. Thanks, okay. guys. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Bye. Our final guest is professional ultra runner EO Wang, who lives in the Bay Area. Get this. EO was a student at MIT when she spectated the Boston Marathon in person in uh, 2003. She vowed to run the race, despite the fact that she wasn't a runner at all. Um, now she's an ultra runner who qualified for the 2012 Olympic Trials Marathon. I'll let EO fill in the details on that impressive progression. Thanks for joining us, EO. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So you've got to give us the story here. How'd you go from being a non-running chemistry student to an ultra runner? All thanks to the Boston Marathon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really, when I went to college, I was not a runner at all. And I didn't know anything about running. So I got swept up in all of the Patriots Day festivities um, when I was a freshman in college. And on Patriots Day, as you and your listeners probably know, Mm -hmm. practically everyone in the city turns out to spectate the marathon and to just have a great party along the way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) When I was a student, the marathon started at 9am. So it was a great excuse for people to just, you know, start partying at 10am in the morning. (laughs) 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 And I went out with my friends. I really didn't know what this whole marathon thing was about. I thought it was just a couple of crazy people wanting to do this run 26.2 miles thing. Um, And then I get to sort of that Kenmore square area, which is in the last mile of the race. And I see thousands of people streaming by and thousands of people cheering for them. And I thought, wow, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And I really want to do it. (laughs) So cool. (laughs) So Uh, I, yeah, I decided that I wanted to run Boston um, and I figured out I needed to qualify um, in order to officially register. So I decided I would embark on this journey of training for a marathon and trying to qualify for Boston. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so um, take us through that a little bit. Um, I know you did it at, um, Cape Cod marathon, which we actually have a retreat that, um, we do the Cape Cod half. So we're well familiar with, with that race. Um, nice, um, fairly flat. Um, but I mean, so you were a college student when you did that or? Yes. Um, so I've figured out 
what the qualifying time was for Boston, which is um, 3.40 at the time. And I decided that I needed to, you know, run some kind of marathon before then. And I, I picked Cape Cod because it was in the fall. So if I got the qualifying time, I could register for the Boston Marathon in the spring. Mm-hmm. Back when you could still do that, I was just about to. I was just about to say <laughs> yeah. back when you know. The, I remember those days. Yeah, I was about to say back when the registration stayed open for more than you know a few yeah, hours. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't believe yeah. what it's turned into nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. And then I just embarked on this process of learning how to run. So <laughs> I would look up, you know, sort of these beginning running training programs and couch to five k my way into oh being goodness. a runner. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, and I ended up running Cape Cod Marathon in October 2005 and got a fast enough time to qualify for Boston in the spring. Wow. And then I did Boston 2006 and did it for a few years after that. I think 06, 07, and 08. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I met my now husband, Sean, um, in Boston and he uh, grew up in California mm-hmm. and it didn't take very much convincing for him to convince me that we should move to California. <laughs> good move. Good move. <laughs> Twist my arm. Like, he was like, oh, let's go visit my parents over Christmas. And you know, it's, freezing and dark and cold in New England and then we arrived to San Francisco and we're like he so he's from Marin County just north of San Francisco and we're running around this beautiful green forest with shorts and a t-shirt and I was like yeah let's move here So when we talk about you being kind of swept up in the whole spirit of Boston from from watching it um, and then to running it a few years down the road, um, did it live up to your to your dreams, you know, and and your expectations? Oh, man, Boston surpasses expectations. (laughs) There's no way to describe how incredible the energy is, not just on race day, but all the months leading up to it, right? Because if you're a runner in Boston and you're doing the Boston Marathon, like everyone is rooting for you. You feel like the whole city is rooting for you. Mm -hmm. And through the, you know, if you live in Boston, the winters are, can be pretty brutal and challenging in terms of precipitation and darkness and road conditions. And I feel like people and the city try to help as much as they can. <laughs> you know, I just always really appreciated how they would try to um, clear the, the course up through Newton, um, no matter how much snow and ice there was so that people can get out there and practice uh, running the course um, all through the winter. And there would be like impromptu aid stations set up by families who live on the court <laughs> on the weekend. So nice. And you'd go out there on a Saturday or Sunday and just see like hundreds of people out training. Um, and there's just an incredible energy around the event for many months. Mm-hmm. And race day itself, it's every town along the way pulls out all the stops. Um, at, at, like, 
it's a holiday, so everyone is out spectating, cheering, partying, um, and I loved it. I love that whole atmosphere. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've run New York and Boston and granted I ran New York in 99. So it was um, quite a while ago, but I mean, I just think there is something about that crowd. I mean, it's so deep and so enthusiastic and just, you feel like every single one of them is rooting just for you. Yeah, exactly. You do feel like they're rooting just for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so so now take us through your transition beyond 26.2, how you morphed into an ultra runner. Was it just by the sheer beauty of Marin County? Because I I, um, can attest that it would um, inspire (laughs) that type of devotion. I really fell in love with trail running after moving to Marin County um, because after running for so many years in Boston, which is a big city, concrete jungle, um, I'd never run on trails and it was such a fresh and beautiful new experience and also a new challenge that Mm -hmm. I really fell in love with training a lot on the trails. And then um, in Marin County, there's always been a very big ultra running community um, of some of the legends of our sport still live or used to live in Marin. Mm -hmm. And so I met a lot, started meeting a lot of runners who were ultra runners and just hearing their stories and their experiences and talking about all these different events. And throughout all of my days doing road running and marathon training, what I really enjoyed the most were doing the long runs. And so I thought, well, you know, if I like running a marathon, maybe I'll like running a 50K as well. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, decided to do a 50K on the trails. And um, the first one didn't go so well, but the second one went really well. And mm-hmm. yeah, it all kind of flowed from there. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So what kind of training advice would you offer women who want to step up to an ultra from a marathon? I think... My first piece of advice would be to really dial in your nutrition um, because it's, it's easy to think, oh, it's only five more miles, but uh, you, there are things that you can sort of get away with over the course of a marathon that you can't necessarily get away with in a 50 K. So while it might be just five more miles, depending on, the terrain. So we talk a lot about 50 Ks and a lot of times we assume they'll be on the trails. So if I'm talking about a trail 50 K, it's actually going to take you quite a bit longer to finish versus a road marathon. You know, if you're uh, there's just transitioning to that new terrain, you're going to have to ingest a lot more calories, a lot more liquid through the course of the day. Um, So you can't get away with like, oh, I'm only going to have two gels on me. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll really suffer if you have um, any sort of nutritional or hydration deficiencies towards the end of the 50K, especially if it's your first one. Um, As with the marathon, the more you do, you know, your body starts adapting more and more to that lengthy time of exertion. And so you'll start to see like, oh, maybe I don't need quite as many calories to sustain this effort as I did uh, two years ago. Um, But especially for the first 50K, I mean, 
take more food and water than you think you can possibly need and you'll need it. <laughs> are, are you, are you speaking from personal experience? Yes, I happened? am speaking from personal experience. <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh my goodness. So as long as we're talking about nutrition, then what are your favorite flavors of goo energy gel? I love blueberry pomegranate. Mm-hmm. And then I've also been really into plain vanilla, kind mm-hmm. of alternating yeah. like the fruity, more intense flavor with something uh, that's on the plainer side. Yes. And yes. campfire s'mores, uh, oh. also a big favorite. And I really have been doing more liquid calories versus Mm -hmm. going only with gels. So I've been doing the Roctane energy drink a lot too, especially the Summit tea flavor. Mm -hmm. That's so funny. I gave some of that to, I don't drink much caffeine. So I gave, I had some Summit tea of that to um, my running partner. She was like, whatever that stuff you gave me, it is so good. (laughs) (laughs) It does taste really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, so um, it's a little bit of a long question, but um, so thanks to ESPNW, we know that you're, you and your husband traveled around the world for work. Um, life's life's rough. Um, when you were training for an ultra marathon, and we get a lot of questions from other runners who have like the junior version of that scenario. They're training for a marathon or a half marathon while I'm a, while on a family vacation to let's say Nova Scotia or Hawaii. Like, what advice yeah. do you give? What advice do you give for those mother runners for fitting in workouts or staying on a training schedule while traveling? Um, be okay with flexibility and change. Um, I know whenever we're on any sort of schedule, whether it's a training plan or a travel schedule, um, oftentimes we get very, uh, attached to staying on schedule. Mm -hmm. And I learned, you know, through working with my coach over a few months that it's okay if, things don't work out one day and you have to move something to another day. And it's okay to also change your plan. Like maybe I will have this schedule and the way that we worked it was he would sort of give me key workouts to do over the course of seven days. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I can look at my travel schedule over seven days and say, well, I know on this day, this is a, uh, we're moving to a new city, so it's going to be really hectic. I probably won't be able to do a workout on this day, but mm-hmm. maybe the next day I'll have time in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I actually grew to kind of love the treadmill for workouts wow. um, because for the workout, I think it's more important to have like a controlled environment mm-hmm. um, because when you're traveling, one of the things that can become difficult is knowing where to actually run. And if you have something that says, oh, you need to do mile repeats. Well, what if you can't find a place to run a straight fast mile comfortably without, you know, having to dodge traffic or make crazy turns or be on a weird surface? Yeah. Um, do it on the treadmill. It makes it so much easier. Um, and then you can focus on your workout versus like, worrying about all of these external factors in your environment that you can't necessarily control. Mm -hmm. So what I would end up doing a lot is um, going outside, exploring for easy runs and saying, 
okay, it's fine if I run five miles or if it's going really well, I can go 10 miles. And either way, I'm fine with however many miles I get in and I get this experience of running in the city. But if it's an important workout session, I'm totally okay with doing that on the treadmill because I want to make sure that I hit, you know, the key um, things that I need to accomplish for the workout without worrying about external environmental factors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you can make a make a hill be right there when you need it by just cranking. Yeah, up the exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like how how do you know if you can find a hill that's going to be at the right grade and you can run a minute up it? You know. <laughs> right, right. Wait, I need more hill. I need more hill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you're like, oh, I have to bail on this location and try to find a new one. And then if you only have an hour and thirty minutes, just mm-hmm. go to the treadmill and get it done. <laughs> Um, and another thing that I thought was really important was to make the running just a priority in the morning right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. even if you just get out for 30 minutes Uh um, do it because it's so easy when you're on a trip to fall into this pattern of oh it's going to be too early or too hard or I don't really know where I'm going so I'm going to skip it today Mm-hmm. And then you're the next day, you're like, oh, it was okay. I skipped it yesterday. I don't have to do it today. <laughs> Five days later, you're like, oh, I haven't run. <laughs> it's uh, nice to hear that a professional runner sometimes um, has that attitude. So, oh, rightly, because it gets really tiring to figure out where to run if you're in a different place every few days. Mm-hmm. You're like, I just thought about this three days ago and now I have to deal with it again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. So, um, final question and it is crucial. Um, how do you get such amazing action shots for your Instagram feed? (laughs) I mean, it is like, I was having serious Bay area withdrawal symptoms perusing your Instagram account. I mean, are a lot of your photos or any of your photos self-timed? And if so, you got to share some tips with us. Um, So the secret is run with friends Okay. (laughs) (laughs) and run with friends who will be patient while you art direct. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's kind of like, you know, you have to strike a balance between I'm going to be that obnoxious person that stops and asks to take photos every 20 minutes versus Mm -hmm. let's just enjoy the run. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when part of your job is to actually have a presence on Instagram or something, um, then, you know, you make the time for it. And I think a lot of the photos are taken by people who are close friends that I run with quite a lot. So I, we kind of trust each other. Um, And they're okay with me being like, no, crouch lower. <laughs> I want to run by, take a photo. <laughs> and then also sort of try different things and some things turn out to look really cool and some things don't. So, well, so, so share some of the things that share. Some, Cause I mean, I mean, it looks like you have a pro photographer with you on every run you go on or every run, at least you post on Instagram. So, yeah. I mean, what are some things that have, worked. I mean, like we tell people to, you know, really run light and fast for just in the photo so that at least you get your feet off the ground. I mean, obviously for a pro runner, that's not as your feet are always off the ground, but 
<laughs> take multiple photos so you can find the one with your feet on the ground off the yeah, ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a big tip. Take multiple photos. And um also sort of um I, I think I like to think of getting your photo taken like you kind of want to run with purpose when you you're mm. getting your photo taken. Uh-huh. Um, I think still the best run photos are always going to be uh, the ones that are more candid, right? Mm. Um, you can sort of tell like which ones were staged versus which ones are just candid shots. Uh-huh. And I mean, luckily I have friends who run with me who are pretty savvy also about taking run photos <laughs> uh-huh. and you know, you, I, I think you have to keep your eye out for um, good lighting. So it's all about lighting and angles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, it, and I kind of learned if it's really bright sun that's going to wash things out, how you can get a more interesting photo. It's like you want to have the runner be featured um, more closely if the lighting's really harsh so that Ah. it draws light onto like the details of what you're wearing or what you're doing uh, versus if the light is kind of softer then that can make for a really beautiful landscape shot where the runner Mm -hmm. is you know a smaller part of the image Mm -hmm. um so little tips like that and uh generally lower angles work better for running than um from up top Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I think the main one is like find good lighting and take a lot of photos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's for when you ask just the random stranger, you know, like I was on, yeah, uh, yeah. I was in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago and I asked some woman just walking across the Golden Gate Bridge. And, you know, I mean, she was very kind to do it for me, you know, and she took like two photos. I'm like thinking, it's it's an iPhone. You could take a hundred. Like I, I got space. <laughs> burst you know? mode. Burst mode. Yeah. Right. Right. Burst <laughs> mode. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, well, thank you so much for joining us, EO. It was uh, lovely talking with you. It was great talking with you too. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye. So, Amanda, does all of this make you um, sorry that you're not going to be running there on Monday? No. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I suck it. Okay, good. <laughs> like, every, I mean, you know, I mean, on race day, always, there's always like a little piece of me that was like, you know, but just, uh, no, I don't, I don't, I mean, I feel like I've checked my boxes and I'm good, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't know. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And are some so, of the, are some of the women from your running group running Boston? No, no. Oh, actually I take that back. What one, um, one is, but she, even she, and she's my age and she's run it millions of times too. And she's just like, it, the, the training this year, she just wasn't into it, you mm. know, so um, she's kind of just going through the motions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure she'll have a great time on Monday. Yeah. yeah. How about you? Do you know a lot of people? I do not. I do not. I mean, yeah. certainly, you know, I um, know of some women in the mother runner community and we're actually going to have right. um, Kristen Gannett, who's one of our. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. One yeah. of our Bammer Bastards. She's going to be taking over our Instagram account excuse me, over the weekend to share her experience because this is her first Boston and she's worked yes. really, really hard to get there and um, has kind of an intriguing story that she'll share on Instagram. And so uh, next week's podcast is going to be women and a man, a special man 
who yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and people have to wait to to hear who that is. Um, so we're gonna um, talk after the fact, but um, okay, fun, yes, fun. Yes. Now, okay, all right. I have my guesses on the man, but I'm gonna keep my lips. Oh yeah, sealed. yeah, yeah. Well, um, okay. So here's a here's a hint. It's not. It's not my husband. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Whose husband might it be? <laughs> yes, I wonder. Yes, yes. It's a matter. Tall husband might it be. <laughs> we appreciate you subscribing to and rating this podcast wherever you listen. And to keep up on all things Another Mother Runner, including training advice, essays by Adrian Martini, Tish Hamilton, and Dimity, and deals from our partners, please subscribe to our newsletter. Go to anothermotherrunner.com slash subscribe. Again, that's anothermotherrunner.com slash subscribe. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles and best of luck to everyone running Boston next week and to everyone striving to qualify for future Bostons. 